Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast, brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. All right, what is up, everybody? Jim to my right, as if I even have to say that anymore. Across from us, we've got Nathan and Tom from Identical Draw. Now, these guys are reporting live from Valentine, Nebraska, a community college that apparently they say they didn't break into it. Uh, Jim, (laughs) you've been to Valentine. Yes. When when we were in Nebraska. What were we doing there? We were muzzleloader hunting. What what do you mean, what were we doing there? yeah, okay. Well, I've been actually been in Nebraska like an odd amount of time, so I actually have to go through my repertoire of reasons for being in Nebraska. Okay, gotcha. But yes, correct. Okay, now I'm now I'm getting my bearings straight. Lovely town, and uh, yeah. So uh, Nathan and, and Tom, identical draw. They're doing some really cool stuff right now. They've got the new Hunter Project. They've got the Kansas City uh, Project, if you will. Super cool content creators making some great video, taking some amazing stills. That one of that uh, buck in the bean field is still one of my all-time favorites. If you haven't seen it, go to their Instagram page, check it out at Identical Draw. Yeah, right? that's it. And yep. I'm I'm pumped to talk to these guys, Jim. But I want them to talk as well. I know yes. I, I kind of I've got a problem, a talking problem. But I guess mm. maybe that's not a giant problem if you're it's, doing a podcast. Yeah, I don't, it's not a problem. We just need to channel it correctly. <laughs> Gentlemen, without further ado, we'll start, uh, introduce yourselves, tell us uh, a little bit about what you got going on, what you guys are about, and how you ended up where you are right now, physically. Yeah, okay. So, I'll talk first. I'm Nate, and uh, yeah, my brother Tom, we're identical twins, so that's yep. how Identical Draw started, basically. That's the identical part. Uh, the draw came from just bow hunting. We are big bow hunters. We, I was thinking, I don't think I've ever taken a rifle into the field on a hunt. We filmed some rifle really? hunts, but we're just, we are big time archery guys. We do a little bit of shotgun stuff, but uh, big time archery guys. And uh, this is our fourth season of, of filming the show. So we've got, like Mark, you mentioned, we've got the Kansas 80 Land Series, mm-hmm. which we bought 80 acres in Northeast Kansas, February 2019. And we've basically just been making episodes about managing that property because a lot of hunters, if they own land, it's usually in smaller chunks. Um, so we've got this, just this 80 acres in Kansas that we've kind of shown the whole progression there mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. We're sitting in a community college. It's the longest we've been in the classroom for a while. So, <laughs> but yeah, we're, uh, we're also doing this new hunter fall. We're taking out, I think the final number is 17. Now we've had a couple, uh, COVID dropouts, but, uh, 17 new hunters this fall. So we're, we're on our third and fourth. We just got done with a week in South Dakota antelope hunting, and now we're doing some Nebraska mule deer stuff. So very cool. <laughs> very cool. cool. Let's let's start. Maybe we'll start because I want to hear about this antelope hunt. But let's let's start with the Kansas eighty project. So like uh, we love the great folks over at Meat Eater, but did you did you like look at the back forty project and you're like you know what double it? Like what what's what's the plan there? How did how did this come about? So it's actually really funny. I was texting Mark Kenyon because we wanted him to be a guest on our first season of the Kansas 80. And I had no idea meat eater, the back 40 was a thing, but we had this whole Kansas 80. It, it idea. really wasn't a thing. It wasn't. Yeah. But I texted Mark, <laughs> like, you know, I'd love to be a guest, but we've actually, we got something in the works over here too. That's like similar. So we both had, it was weird. We both kind of had these ideas the same season and it was like both management stuff with was, new properties. Yeah, it, was it was funny. funny. We had a, we had a couple of YouTube comments on these videos, like, 
those meat hunter guys, they copied you. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is just a funny thing how it worked out, but it's awesome that they're actually just kind of going on at the same time. Yeah. It means there's no shortage really of uh, what you guys get going and they're in different locations too, which can mean different things. So, I mean, Michigan and Kansas have uh, definitely diverse, um, what would you say, habitats and environments. So, oh yeah, I mean, totally, totally their own things. You know, hunting pressure is going to be different. You know, even just the, you know, agriculture. You know, whatever. That's all going to be, uh, you know, it's so regional. Michigan has small bucks. Kansas has giant bucks. <laughs> well, you said it, not us. Uh, it's all relative. It's all <laughs> contextual. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys are you guys from Kansas then, or did that? We are from uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Okay, so it's not far. Over there, but we, our family's been wanting to find property for a while, and so I was. But me with my whitetail head, I'm like, I was looking over in Iowa and Kansas. This Nebraska, I mean, you can find good stuff, and there definitely are good whitetails here. But I was like, I think Kansas and Iowa do it right for management stuff. So we mm-hmm. just wanted to find it close to home. So we finally landed on this great chunk of ground that's only two hours from our house house so we can drive very easy and stuff yeah. like that. And locations was one of the biggest things in mm-hmm. two hours is doable for us in mm-hmm. the early morning. Yeah. We, I literally, I got a text from a buddy. I was actually at ATA and uh, he was like, dude, I got a property you have to check out. We were there the next week and our family and us, we put an offer down and it was way under the asking price and the farmer took it. So it was just no like, way. Nice. Yeah. The line. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's amazing. Yeah, you know, you talk about you know, you know management or you know the from the state, I guess, right, and how they're managing their deer herd, deer herds, and and you know, obviously, you know, Kansas and Iowa are gonna have a different philosophy f- from Nebraska. But one of the things I love about Nebraska is like how much they do manage it for opportunity, you know. And so it's kind of like I don't know. I appreciate that because I think it's cool to go to different states for different reasons, and also to be able to hunt if you haven't maybe drawn a tag or heck maybe even forgot to put in for a draw or something like that. You're like, there's just, it's good to have those States that are, you know, managed more for more for opportunity for sure. So explain that even a little bit further too. So you're, you're saying that basically like the Kansas and Iowa States are more geared towards like harder to draw, but your chances of finding, you know, say an older, mature, more mature buck are higher yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. You know, and, and these guys, I mean, they're super familiar with it too, but I think like Iowa, like as an out-of-stater to draw an archery permit, you're probably looking at four years now, maybe something like that. And you're going to have maybe the most amazing whitetail experience of your life, which is like super cool, but but you don't get to go every year. Yeah, Nebraska, I mean, turkey and, well, besides this last year uh, with COVID, but turkey and deer tags, I mean, non-residents, you can just not have it scheduled and buy some tags and, and go for it. And yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, creates right its own, you know, you're going to have maybe increased hunter pressure, you know, more qu- quotation mark competition. I mean, Jim, we saw that actually when uh, we were on your, your muzzleloader hunt, we saw. Well, yeah, but it worked in our favor. It did work in our Pushed favor. my deer right into, <laughs> right into the crosshairs. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. So, we'll, so what was, uh, what was it about this property that you guys were like, oh man, this is the, you know, you talked about location, right? So location, location, but also like from, uh, I guess, a habitat standpoint, what did you like or what did you see for potential there? The biggest thing that we loved is if you like looked at a, like a 30 mile radius of the, of our 80, we have like a, just a big chunk of timber for the area. So 
those deer just use it big time, especially during, during those, those rutting months. So we don't, we don't have a ton of deer, ton of deer summer, but we know like during those hot times is October, November, we're going to get a lot of, a lot of new bucks traveling through, but also some home bodies. So mm-hmm. having that timber was a huge thing for us. Mm-hmm. That, that was mainly it timber. And then walking through it, we, uh, just sign all over the place. We were seeing old rubs and scrapes and stuff. There's so a creek, seeing... there's a creek that runs through. We had looked at, I mean, so many properties that we had like a list. I recommend this for anybody who's looking at buying something, just have your, like, wh- like what's most important. And, and we basically had that all lined up. It was mm-hmm. location, timber, creek running through potential build site. We're putting up a shed here in the next couple months. So mm-hmm. stuff like that is what we were so looking lined at. Up. Yeah. Awesome. And then what, what types of things did you guys put in some food plots and things like that? Or was there just enough agriculture around it? Yeah, there, there's a lot of ag around it, but our food plots, we've gotten pretty specific with the things on it. We've done uh, a three acre beet plot, but we always put in different brassicas and stuff like that. We've done a lot of clover and a few other mixes. Our, our, far, our farm guy down there, he does a great job of giving deer different things than just big corn and beans and stuff like that. Yeah. So, and we of course leave it standing throughout the whole year. So I feel like that's just, it's a, it's a hot spot for, for those deer. Yeah. So we've got like a main, like three to four acre, um, bean plot that we just actually, um, no-tilled some, a new mixture of like just rye, clovers, brassicas, that sort of stuff to go in with the beans. And then we made a new plot down South and we have also another small plot up North. So we've technically got three, three food plots that probably just add up to four, four and a half acres. So yeah. not, not a ton of food plot space. Mm-hmm. But. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I know uh, I watched that one video, uh, that you guys put together. It was super cool where you end up shooting that really, really nice buck, you know, early in the season during that, that time period where the, you know, the archery season overlaps, uh, the muzzleloader season, or you could say that they, they run concurrently. Number one looked super amazing, super fun. Was that bittersweet though to be done so early like oh i didn't know we we're gonna be done so quick yeah that was the most insane hunt we've ever been on just we've never really killed besides like some of our out west hunts that uh, we've never killed an early season whitetail so having that buck and i think it was our second sit of the year on the 80 so it was second just, sit ever i mean it was our first hunting fall so no it was way like, we had no idea we i remember sitting in the stand being like i feel like we're doing this wrong i feel like they're bedded here and not here and I mean, 10 minutes later, he walked right underneath us basically. So nice. Yeah. Unbelievable. Old front. And yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't too bummed out. I knew he was a mature buck. So I was like, this is a no question full send here. So. <laughs> yeah. You can't get, but you can't get bummed out about that. I don't think no matter, <laughs> no matter how it goes down. So no, super cool. Getting into, so we talked a little about, you know, your hunting and, and the Kansas city project. Let's talk about the, the new hunter project. Like where, where did this idea even come from and and maybe kind of explain what it is? Yeah. So it's all sparked from an ATA social summit that was the archery trade show. Yeah. Yeah. Archery trade show. And it was led with the hunting public and a few others. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they were talking all about social media and how hunters need to do a better job of making it just better, cleaner. So more people can view it and not be turned away, stuff like that but also just to get new hunters out. It was, I mean, an hour and a half, just difficult mm-hmm. conversation. I mean, a lot of us hunters, we don't really want to change our ways, but if we want to keep the trend going mm-hmm. to get more hunters and, and all that sort of thing, we realize like there have to be some changes. Yep. So that was kind of that conversation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that, that spring 
we were like, we just weren't seeing anything. Everybody at the meeting was like, what's going to happen after this? And like, we just hadn't seen anything happening. People were just doing their same things, booking their hunts for the fall. And we were like, we need to just dive into this fully. So we just had the, the idea of like, we're just going to take out many people as we can. We basically, we already had our fall lined up. We were like, yeah. we could add a few here, add a few here, add a few here. And then we basically just yeah. all but yeah. trying to reach out to logistics. At that point, it was just like a big logistic thing. Like, mm-hmm. how do we get the hunters? I mean, travel, tags, hunters, ed, all these things that like start rolling through your head. Mm-hmm. But we're starting to figure it out for sure. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And then you're doing... Are you doing all bow hunts with these people then? All bow hunts. Bow and crossbow. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we decided to do with all these hunters. We, so. we are we are super lucky. Like we were going into this, we were like, maybe we could try to get like 20 people to submit an entry. And after you guys posted us, after First Light posted us, all these great sponsors that we have. I mean, we were we were looking at 250 to 300 people that entered to, Whoa. to come up. Oh wow. Hunt. Yeah. So it was like, okay, we have, this is, this is happening right now. So we were lucky bear, bear archery. They hooked us up with a few crossbows that we'll be able to use on hunts. Okay. So that'll, that'll be huge for like our whitetail hunts and stuff like that. But some of these earlier hunts, it was interesting how many people shoot archery, but haven't taken the leap to hunt yet. Like everybody yeah. was like, just looking for somebody to take them out and show them yeah. the ropes. But like the guys we're, we're hunting with now are great archery shots, like out to 60, like putting it on the money. And Same with the last two that went on the antelope hunt. Yep. But okay. they've never shot anything. They just haven't, haven't taken, been able to take the leap or had anybody show them how to go out hunting. So it's been this, like, we've actually found some, some pretty good archery shots that just haven't killed anything yet. We decided on these, this first like, um, span of Western hunts, we're like, we can't just toss a brand new hunter out there. They'll just yeah. be like, just upset the whole time. <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, got some guys just like that love shooting archery, 3d stuff, hiking backcountry. They're, a lot of them are actually fly fishing. They they do some fly fishing, so we're like these guys. They've got some archery experience. They're going on their first western hunt. So that's how we selected these first group of western hunters. Yeah. Okay, because I, I that's was going to be one of my questions was like an archery antelope hunt. Like that's not what. Oh, I think I'm going to get into hunting. Oh, I'll do an archery antelope hunt for my first hunt. Right? Like there's so much <laughs> stuff that goes into that. Like you know, for a person. I mean, the A to Z on that. So it sounds like, okay, that's making more sense to me as far as like a lot of the learning how to shoot a bow and stuff like that was taken care of on the front end. And, and that is a really cool like observation or a thing to find out. Like I would just think that, of course, I guess I'm always thinking about things as they relate to hunting, Jim, as, as you are probably with cars. You're like, yeah. it's interesting that they like totally had a ton of like archery experience, I guess. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that. I was just kind of thought, oh, you shoot archery for fun. You probably hunt too. Yeah, just kind of assumed. And, and some of the people we have on our later hunts haven't done any of it, but like yeah. these guys, yeah, they've shot archery, but they've never done any. They've never glassed up animals. They've never done any spot and stalking. They've never worked the wind stuff like that. That they're gonna hopefully learn this. So. It's yeah. all important stuff, you know. I mean, even like when you guys are talking about, I mean, that's for that's for when you're actually on the hunt. But you know, when you actually think about everything, you got to think about think about everything you have to think about. When you're hunting, I mean, you guys are even going into when you're managing properties. I mean, now you're basically become farmers on the side too. So there's that. So you know everything that's going on there. But even if you go out and you're on public land that you aren't, you aren't managing, so to speak, in terms of almost being like a farmer of that land. Yeah. All the things that you just mentioned are if you just go out and shoot at 
inanimate 3D targets, they don't, they can't smell you or, you know, they don't, uh, they don't have to go feed. They just kind of sit there. So there is, there's a lot more to it that, that I could see somebody being a little bit nervous, you know, or, or, or unsure of what to do. Like, did you guys have a set of, of criteria that, you know, these different people needed to I guess, satisfy for lack of a better word? Yep. Yeah. So we basically came up with like, we wanted them to be generally new one season of hunting or less mm-hmm. uh, was kind of our biggest thing. As far as like hunting experience, we had a bunch of people that still applied, even though they had killed a couple of animals, which is, which is fine. We read through all the entries, but we wanted at least a 300 word, like email or a video okay. to really understand the person. Um, after we had a second round of choosing people, which we required videos from about 50 or 60 people I'm trying to think what else, like, this isn't like a full on, like, guided everything's paid for kind of trip mm-hmm. like we made it clear like you're gonna have to pay for your tag some travel to get here mm-hmm. um stuff like that we, we got some really nice donations um like this hunt the mule deer foundation is covering the cost of a tag things like that but we just we wanted people to still still have to go through the whole process of, of buying things we don't want to just like here's your tag it, like here's all this stuff we wanted them to go through and actually see what it's like to, to purchase things for your first hunt and mm-hmm. all that stuff so mm-hmm. We've got all sorts. We, I mean, we had all sorts of age range from yeah. 18 to mid 50s. So yeah. we're, we're taking out. We just nice. got in with. Uh, hopefully, they listen to this podcast. A bunch of old guys. Um, they're <laughs> they're in their 50s, uh, low 50s. So, and then we got some 20 year olds with us right now. So that's awesome. I was uh, I was thinking to myself, that's got to be an interesting process going through the selection because you don't want to end up on MTV's next episode of Catfish. No, yeah, or you got somebody saying there's something, and then they show up, and there's something totally different. Have you guys had it? I mean, well, I don't know. You don't have to go into any of that, but I'd have to imagine you've had some submissions where you've been a little bit like interesting. <laughs> all of our, uh, all of our friends. It didn't really. I mean, it crossed their mind, but not really. They're like, I mean, you could be taking out a serial killer. You don't know. Who you're taking. <laughs> we kind of just piece that out of our mind, and we're just. We. I mean, that's why we like when we selected them, we've had a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails, a lot of like, yeah. is this person, do we want to take them on a hunt type of deal? But yeah, everybody's been awesome so far. We've been yeah. Really yeah. Happy. Well, and then, it, yeah. And then you got to meet him at a, at, at, is it like you meet him at a, a bar that's very public and then, you know, you meet him at the hardware store parking lot. It sounds like, uh, it sounds like, you know, dating on Tinder or something like that. Not that I've ever, not that I've ever done that Mark, but uh, no, no, you've done that. Jeff. I actually haven't. <laughs> I, I never, I never have either. That was before my time. No, after I was before that time. Anyway, I haven't done it. So this last hunt, you know, you guys saw some early success with one of your archers. Maybe walk us through that. And then my one question is, did did you have to tell them like, okay, this is amazing. Uh, it usually doesn't happen like this. <laughs> So going into the hunt, we told them straight up, like archery antelope is arguably one of the toughest hunts, like in the country. I mean, they've got eyesight that beats anything. I mean, they're just fast, skittish creatures. So basically we just met these guys in the morning, went scouting, uh, throughout the day and they, we did some shooting with them and all that. Yeah, that they're, they're all tuned up and yeah, shooting good. And, uh, we knew they had practice quite a bit like every morning before work work kind of deal so we're like okay they've done quite a bit of shooting but this whole thing we saw we saw a group of antelope and it was me and brian one of the new hunters and started working towards them and basically lost the first group that we saw but i was just kind of creeping over some edges basically it was a big the field 
um, one was like a green lush kind of, and one was like a, basically like a wheat field. And we were able to just work this fence line towards them. And I popped up my head and sure enough, there's a group of antelope out there with a one buck and like six or seven doe out there. And we were like, okay, if we can use this fence line to just, just crawl basically and try to get parallel with them, we'll be, we'll be in decent so shape. So before this, we basically, uh, with Jared from the Mule Deer Foundation, who's mm -hmm. helping us, we basically did like a, like antelope one-on-one, just throwing knowledge at them. Like do this, don't do this, all this. Like yeah. they can, they can see it from 10 miles away sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But I mean, they're doing, I mean, they're doing all the classic new hunter stuff, like pointing, doing all these things. So we just like telling them like, we're going to, we're going to get down, like stay as low as you can, like just facing the dirt kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So this first stock went, it was like, basically perfect. Like yeah. we, we were, we, the fence line had enough cover that we were able to just like literally crawl next to the fence. Okay. Uh, I popped up, we got to about like, it was at 50 yards bedded and we we're like, okay, that's pretty good range. Or is that, it was like at 60 yards bedded. So Brian, he went through the fence and like went out there an extra few yards and got him at 50 yards. So I was like, okay. Which for antelope, I mean, if you're within 50, that's mm -hmm. a pretty good opportunity there. Yeah. I was like, Hey, good job. And then we, I'd go like every 10 yards and like good work. Like try we want to make this positive. Like you're, you're, I know you're freaking trudging through cactus and rocks and stuff, but this is good. You're doing a great job. <laughs> so basically got to 50 yards, got a spot on him. And, uh, he's like, I'm, I think I'm going to draw back and try to shoot this goat. I was like, okay. So we got, we got lucky on a few things. First, he was able to slip through the fence to get a little closer and I had the camera up on him. All this is going to be on episodes. It's all filmed. And, uh, so he gets up to his knees, draws back and that buck sees him. And instead of taking off for the Hills, like a lot of them do, he, he stepped like five to eight yards back and just gave us a perfect broadside shot. So I was like, I don't know if this is in, when I was filming, I was like, I'm not sure if he's going to shoot. Like that's a 58, 60 yard shot. I don't know. Like we covered like, Hey, only shoot if you're extremely comfortable. Like you want to do that for the animal and yourself. Mm -hmm. So sure enough, after setting on, on him for a little bit, I hear him shoot and that arrow just right in the pocket behind the front shoulder. No way. Uh, yeah. Smoke city. And, uh, nice. he go, just took off running 40 yards and just fell over in the field. And I was like, first stock, first, first evening. We, uh, <laughs> ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I told him, I was like, that there are very many experienced archers that have never had that happen. Like the fact that you had a little bit of terrain with a fence line with some grass to be able to work close and then being able to make that shot. I mean, it was insane. I didn't know what was happening. As you guys are describing it, it just sounds like picture perfect textbook, like just enough cover, you know, you get, I mean, it's almost like, okay, here's the blueprint, like do exactly that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. We, we did, uh, before those guys arrived, they arrived like midday that day. We went out on a stock and mm -hmm. got to within, I don't know, 190, 100 yards on a buck and they, they busted. And like on our car ride to meet these hunters, we're, we were kind of joking, like God's going to have to send a perfect situation for us to get an antelope on the ground. And then yeah. our next stock, dead antelope, just, just perfect, perfect shot. So yeah. we were really happy. I mean, day one, those, the hunters were obviously just and so mm -hmm. it was awesome to see his like first reaction to like shooting something. I mean, just the adrenaline rush. He's freaking out, just disbelief, couldn't believe it. And I was like, I mean, his first stock ever, like his first ever archery animal is just, you're not going to find very many guys that have their first, 
first animal with the bow is a 60 yard animal. <laughs> no, no. I mean, well, and then you guys are filming it too, which, you know, I mean, obviously open country, they have great eyesight. Filming is just hard as it is. Um, so that's super mm-hmm. cool that you guys are able to capture that. You know, you're talking about his reaction to it. I mean, obviously these guys were pretty, they're prepared, you know, from a, from a shooting perspective and, uh, you know, mentally they'd been thinking about this for a while and maybe heck, maybe, maybe a long time before they even met you guys. Right. But what was, what was it like, like watching that reaction and were there any like interesting or surprising takeaways from, from, you know, I guess watching this happen through their eyes? Uh, I mean, it was, it was so fresh. Like, I think the disbelief was the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Like he was freaking out and then he was just standing there. Like, what all this went, what just, what just went down? Like I just sent an arrow at this animal and just like walking him, watch up, like put his hands on this thing was like, like this animal's dead, like in front of you. I mean, this is meat. Like it's just watching all that yeah. was, I don't know. Just putting your hands on an animal for the first time mm-hmm. and letting that arrow go is just a mm-hmm. insane feeling. I think, mm-hmm. I mean, throughout the rest of the day and the week, he was just, I, just processing. That's mm-hmm. what I do too. When I, even though I've killed a couple animals, just you're just constantly processing. Like, how did that all work out? You're constantly mm-hmm. thinking about it. The other new hunter, Tom. So these two new hunters knew, knew each other from Chicago for a long time. So they were buddies and I could sense it in him. Like, he's like, Oh man, how am I gonna, mm-hmm. how am I gonna match that? Like, <laughs> like day one, I could sense that. So that night I was like, Tom, you got this. Like, we're going to just keep going out there. Maybe you're not as good as Brian, but we're going to be our, our best. <laughs> I mean, after that, it was basically, we struggled after that. So it was funny. Like, I think, I think it took him, I think it took Brian the rest of the week to be like, holy crap, what did I just accomplish? Sure. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, somebody that's never done before, they don't really know what just happened. Even when people tell you like, Hey, this isn't normal. It's just hard for it to not seem normal. when it's the only thing that you've ever done. And I, I'm even trying to go through my head and think about, what would be, because obviously the natural reaction, like you guys even said a couple times, it's like, it's like, do they know that that doesn't normally happen? It's like, you, you think that to yourself and you try and think of like, well, what is the perfect first hunting situation? Because like, do you say the perfect first hunt is where you go out and you get something because then you can experience the full situation. But then you also hear of people that are diehard hunters who went out hunting and they're like, yeah, me and my dad used to go out and we'd sit in the same spot every year and we never saw a thing and I loved it. And, you know, so I, I don't know what really actually would be considered, you know, the universal perfect first time going. It's probably just, it's probably just literally being out there. I mean, who knows? I just hoped when we were young is, is the, the one trip a year, the annual hunt. And I always say that that's what I'm gonna do with my, with my kids is they get a couple of times to go out. Cause I just want to build that, like the anticipation for that trip and the love. That's how, that's how we got into it. Just no guns. I mean, we were walking through pheasant hunting fields with BB guns mm-hmm. and we were stoked. So, mm-hmm. and we, we, with this whole thing, we've been trying to figure out like what got us hooked and what did we love about it? And we were like, the killing was the last thing that was on our minds. We just wanted to hang out with our uncles and dad and all that stuff and just have a good time. So that's what we're trying to do with these hunters. We're like, if the animals come great, but if not, we're just going to make sure they're having a positive experience and just learning from it. And it was interesting actually, after Brian killed on his first stock, he was like, I can kind of tell you, he's like, I want to go on more. Like, he was like, I, I just did one. I, I learned quite a bit about it, but like, I didn't bust the animal. I didn't know anything. Like, what did I do wrong kind of thing? So I had a tag. So I had him join me on a few stocks too, just to kind of like see, this is yeah. what it's actually like when you, when the animal runs off. <laughs> <laughs> 
So is he but, is he taking you next time then? Yeah. No, I was like, I was told him, I was like, when after he shot, I was like, Well, Tom's fired. You're my new, you're my new <laughs> hunting partner. First stock, yeah. he's like, This is the luckiest thing I've ever seen. They Tom and Brian, both the new hunters, went out on a stock um once without us because we were uh, going to, in the town for a second and we come back and I'm like, if Brian gets Tom on an antelope, then he's <laughs> the most achieved new hunter ever. Yeah. There's yeah. some there's some pretty crazy new reconstructive surgeries they can do out there. We can have we can have yeah. one of those guys looking just like you. You know, they can be oh, a double. Yeah. They can happen. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love trip triple draw. Triple. Oh yeah. So I mean, and I think it is like good, of course. Um but like they they got to see all the you know even though you had early success right but going on multiple stocks and seeing things as they unfold and you know obviously you know uh, a few days of like oh you don't just get one every time right so that it's it's cool that they got to got to see I guess all the different uh, facets of the hunt I guess what things did you see them maybe or questions they had during the process that maybe things that you guys take for granted you're like oh yeah we probably should have told you that or you know you just don't think another person might not know but like were there any things like that or you know tips for new hunters out there that you guys maybe explained or taught those guys i guess stock stocking wise like the last 10 20 yards when you're like either cresting over a ridge or something there were about like a million questions like between that time do i stand up do i stay on my knees do i arm crawl up there there's just a million ways to go about it and we kind of explained every every situation is going to be different and we, we basically did each one with them so that they could kind of figure out how, how is this going to go? There's no perfect way. Like mm-hmm. we'll do it, we'll do it one way. Sometime you'll do it another way. Some other time it's like, there's when you're doing a spot on stock, there's a lot of questions going through your mind. You kind of have to make answers quickly. And, uh, one big thing, one big takeaway was just physical shape. Cause I could tell both of them, even after the first day or two, they were both, Oh, sore. Just, I mean, and we, we were feeling it too. It's like, yeah. you, you don't know how sore you're going to be until your, your neck's like this for a long time, looking at antelope in the field. Cause he's got you pegged. You can't move or just like, <laughs> I mean, your forearms are all bloody and stuff. It's like, you just don't know those things until you get in it. But yeah. another interesting thing that I guess they didn't anticipate is sometimes there's just antelope that are untouchable. Mm. They're on public land, but there's just no shot. So you got to walk away and, and keep searching. You always think, like, I'm just going to, I'm going to find, all I got to do is find them. But that's not always the case, especially out in those plains. So a big thing we noticed was you'll see an antelope and you'll devise a stock. Sometimes they get just this tunnel vision of that's where the antelope is. There's only one antelope out there and I'm going to go kill that antelope. But when you're, every time you crest over a hill, inches, every inch exposes you and there could be goats all over the place. So you got to just keep a broad view, just constantly scanning because yeah, you see the one goat, but you have to, in your mind, you got to be ready for more of them or a different situation yeah. or the goat, mm-hmm. all those types of things. Yeah. So. Yeah. I remember thinking it is funny when I started hunting and hearing people talk about spot and stock and they'd be telling their story and they'd be saying, you know, oh yes, we're on the glass all day. And all of a sudden find this giant, whatever. That's kind of how the story usually goes. Decide they want to put a stock on it. And then the story goes to, so anyways, I'm, I'm 60 yards away or I'm like, I'm, I'm 40 yards away. And I'm like, how did we get from you seeing the thing a mile away to you being 40 yards away? Like, well, what happened in there? And I trying to think of what, like how this stalking thing works. And then to your point, when they're asking the questions like, okay, now I'm going to get up there. Do I, do I stand up? Do I get on my knees? Do I, whatever. It's funny. Cause like, it's actually not as complicated as a lot of people think it is. It's really just, 
try and get a shot on the animal without it totally busting you, you know? And so that could be it smells you, it could be it sees you, it could be it hears you, whatever. But it's kind of like the thing we all do from the time we're like little kids. I mean, I used to sneak up on my brothers and stuff all the time and you like, you know, if you got to get low to not be seen, you crawl on the ground. And if you want to be really quiet, you don't make a lot of sound. None of my brothers could smell like any uh, of the game, wild game that we hunt, you know, except for maybe turkeys. They probably have about the same abilities as turkeys. Right. But yeah, it's that's just kind of how it works. You just sneak up on them. <laughs> that's, I mean, that probably is actually a pretty good tip. It's like, okay, you know, there is no right way necessarily, but like, so in any given scenario, what things do you have to do or, you know, how can you use terrain or how, you know, just to essentially avoid being detected by mm-hmm. any one of those senses, height or height, the height, yeah. stay low, I guess. Uh, but, you know, hearing, you know, eyesight, smell. I think, um, I think like, I remember always feeling, okay, if I do something that I feel would be a good move to sneak up on this animal, like, am I going to look stupid or, or is this like wrong somehow? And mm-hmm. I guess, you know, it's like, well, should I have, should I take my shoes off or should I be crawling here or should I be whatever? And the answer is just, is that what you need to do to get closer? And if yes, then do it. Like, I, I would never see anybody doing anything stalking. Like if they had to walk on their hands for all I care to somehow stock up on an animal. Like, I'm not going to say, oh, you look super stupid out there. It's just, if it's what you had to do, it's what you had to do. So you guys are, you're in, you're in Nebraska. So what's, what's on the docket right now then? So Nate actually aired an antelope the last day. Oh, wait. All right. Back up. Let's hear about that. (laughs) We hunted the three or four days in between with the new hunters, just tough stocks, got them used to actual antelope hunting. And then, um, they pieced out early in the morning and we went to this field that we knew they were so heavy, but we had to access it in the dark. So we just didn't bust them all out. Mm-hmm. And basically they were all around us. Um, but like at least four or 500 yards, most times, and we we're going to make it up to this next, next set of bales. And as we're about to crest out of the, the set we're in, this doe just comes hauling, um, from our right side and I get Nate's attention, sit him down. She kind of sees us. I'm right behind Nate, uh, on the camera. And I range, range her for him and 60 yards and another 60 yard dagger right in the heart. And she went down about 30 yards. So we were able to take some antelope meat too. So that ended the the trip and we picked these guys up at the Rapid City Airport and we're sitting in Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah. Season doesn't open until September 1st. So tomorrow, Mm -hmm. but the scouting we, uh, this morning we saw some, saw some, saw some antelope and some deer. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, we're just going to be after the mule deer. Uh, out here with these guys basically sand hills just spot and stock stay low basically i mean from coming from south dakota this has a little more contour you have some sage you can hide um so that's better than south dakota but yeah i gotta do just try to get for the mule deer we'll see what we've we've done it out here Mm -hmm. two years yep two years before and we've actually never killed anything but we've had we've gotten into mature bucks every time so you know we can they're gonna shoot whatever is legal. So yeah, sure. We're hoping we can get Lisa gear down. Yeah. Heck nice. yeah, man. Very cool. Very cool. Well, we're, we are excited to hear how that goes. And really, I mean, kudos to you guys, this new hunter project, number one, super unique and really taking, uh, taking the deer by the horns, I guess, or the antelope by the horns on this one and taking it upon yourself to be proactive and 
solicit and get these new hunters out there and giving them, you know, really just, I guess, just a jump start in, in knowledge and just a high level of confidence that they'll be able to take with them. And so, you know, I, I guarantee those guys that you hunted with last week are 10,000 times more comfortable going, okay, now we can plan our own trip. And, and hopefully they're inspired to bring maybe some of their friends that, you know, haven't you know, taken that leap into hunting and really hope it's, you know, that, that snowball effect, I guess. So, yeah, that's what we really want I'd like for these hunters to go home and do. And everyone we've talked to is like, I just want to go home and do this. And those guys were have families. They want to get their kids and do it. These guys are excited to take their friends out. Yeah, they're already, these guys that we haven't even really hunted with are already like, I've got these, these buddies that want to go out with me after this. It's like, well, perfect. We just want this <laughs> to keep happening. Um, it's like, people have been like, are you bummed out? Like, you're not going to be hunting as much and stuff. It's like, no, we're, I mean, we have the Canvas ground, which is great. We both have tags on there, but it's like the, taking this out, these people out is better than me knocking an arrow. I mean, yeah. as far as like the experiences we had this last week, getting to know new people and seeing their fire and seeing them start to get things is better than different, hunting ourselves. Yeah. Did, like I'd always hear different mentors say that like, Oh, you just get so much more. I'd roll my eyes be like, I don't know. It's pretty fun shooting a, a big old buck. But um, <laughs> I honestly say like, even before we were taking hunters out, I was just so amped to get started. And I guess my PSA to, to mentors that want to mentor is, or have in the past is just don't like, view it as a, just trying to get through the weekend with these individuals form that relationship. And that's what we've noticed is just get to know these hunters really, really well. And they're going to want to just get into hunting even more. So mm-hmm. just use that, get that quality time in. Awesome. Yeah. Jim, any final thoughts? Oh, that was great. That's, it's fun hearing about this stuff. I, I like hearing about it. Cause I think, you know, this is the kind of thing that got, I know me really into hunting also just kind of being around when I'm around all the time, but right. you know, it's good stuff. And yeah. And then once you do it, then you start going out by yourself, which I know I've done a couple of times and you screw everything up. It's funny how there's just like this magical sort of thing that people who are really experienced have where you go out with really experienced people and you see animals and everything kind of seems to go like really well. And it's just, you know, the, the, the light always shines perfectly. The wind blows perfectly. You don't make any sound. And then you go out by yourself and you're really clunky and the wind's always wrong and everything sees you and it, yeah, but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what it is, but, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Well, and I think, you know, I mean, you see like guys like yourselves or a lot of people out there that have high levels of success on a consistent basis, right? Nobody that's doing that started there, right? And, and it's, I mean, you're going to blow things. You're going to have failed stocks. You're going to get winded. You're going to do this. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to get lost. But those are all the things that stories are made of. And, you know, I mean, that is how anybody out there is is gonna learn so i guess you know my thought if you're listening to this and you haven't hunted yet man you know permission to go just go and it's gonna be a learning process it's a process and it's a lifelong process and i know i certainly don't know even close to everything out there but you know enough to be dangerous and i guess be successful every once in a while and i think people put a lot of pressure on themselves to be successful and maybe don't it's hard not to but don't you know, just go there's Yeah. And yep. I mean, if you're a hunter, I mean, hit us up identical draw. I mean, we'll, we'll answer questions too. So mm-hmm. we, uh, yeah. we're going to be like, like I said, we're, we're filming all these for the YouTube stuff and we're just hoping that's a wealth of information too, because we're going into everything. Like, was it really tough to get taxed? How'd you get taxed? Like being a non-resident here, how'd this work out? 
And then also like, Hey, what was it like to have an animal on the sites for the first time? So we're going to be just diving into all this and hopefully it'll be a really good information for other people. And then even more in depth thing, we're doing a podcast so we can just, all these conversations that are happening when the camera's not rolling, we're going to get out on these guys. So we're hoping that's just a big educational. We're hoping the the filming is more entertainment and and then the podcast is is a lot of education. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Super cool guys. No, that's awesome. Way neat project. Again, thanks for doing it. Looking forward to seeing the content that you guys uh, get out of it and produce because I think it'll just be, uh, it's great. Great for stuff. Sure. Yeah. So, good luck in Nebraska. Indeed. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Hopefully, us on. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Well, yeah, and also thanks, everybody, as usual, for listening out there. If you have any other questions or whatever, you want to hit these guys up, go check them out. Like they said, just at Identical Draw. So pretty, uh, pretty easy to find. And yeah, if you're a new hunter out there, maybe try putting in for one of these things. Don't catfish them, like we were saying. No, uh, that's that's weird. That's messed up. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, maybe maybe put in. You might uh, end up going on a hunt with these guys. Who knows? But otherwise, we will catch everybody next time. Thanks as usual. Bye, everybody. Bye. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Vortex Nation podcast. Thanks everybody for listening. Hit that subscribe button so you can always stay up to date on the latest happenings over here at the Vortex Nation podcast. Leave us a review or comment down below. We want to hear what you have to say about the show, maybe what you like, maybe what you didn't like, so that way we can make these podcasts as good as they can be. You can also follow us on Instagram at Vortex Nation Podcast. We'll be posting about each episode released, so that way you can go back, find these things, Maybe grab a little nugget of information that you could take with you to the range, out in the field, or uh, maybe to the kitchen if we're talking about some good food. So, again, everybody, thanks, and happy hunting and shooting. We appreciate it. Have a good one.